the Rambam uh, explains the within, when it comes to midot <coughs> in, in Hilchot Dayot, he explains that that a mido is, um, is there's not really such a thing as a good mido and a bad mido, a good character trait and a bad character trait. It depends on the extremes, and the Rambam goes through the various character traits and says, with the exception of gaiva and kas, of arrogance and anger, there are times when you need them. There are times when you need to be a little bit cruel. There are times when you shouldn't be cruel at all, where you should be kind. There are times when kindness is the right thing to be doing. There are times when kindness is the wrong thing to be doing. So a middle is a spectrum, and, and what we have to do is find the place on the spectrum where we can, uh, where we can be balanced, where we have the, the, the right response to the right situation. And that fits in with the word midah. So in, in, uh, in Hebrew, for, we don't have a word for virtue. Uh, a, 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 a good character trait is called a midah tovah. What does a midah tovah mean? It means a good measure. It's a good amount. So a midah tovah is having the right level of, of these various different midot. It's not about having, a, you have it or you don't have it. It's not, it's not binary. It's, a, it's like analog. You've got to find the place on the spectrum, and that's where you have to be in terms of the midot. Um, that idea is is developed very meticulously in a in a very powerful little sefer called Orchot Sadikim, one of the early Musas for him written by uh, one of the very late Rishonim, 15th century probably. We don't know who the author is, um, and and the Orchot Sadikim takes the different midot. He's got 28 little chapters, and in each chapter he takes one midah. And he shows the positive and the negative, where, you, where it's correct to use the midah, where it's destructive to use the midah, and, and so he goes through them. Uh, and this sugi that we're dealing with, the, the Gemara starting with the Mishnah at the bottom of Pei Aleph Amud Bet and into, into Pei Bet, you see examples of that. Um, so for example, we have, we have the Mishnah. Let's learn, let's learn the Mishnah. If the, all or most of the korban Pesach becomes Tameh, now it can't be eaten, can't be used as a korban, what do you do with it? Then Sorfinoto, you've got, to, you've got to burn it. Where do you burn it? It should be burnt in the presence of the Beis HaMikdash, right near the Beis HaMikdash, using wood from the Mizbech. That's where it should be done. Nitma Mi'uto, if just a small amount of the, of the meat became tome, and that which is left over overnight and can no longer be used because the time has passed, those little parts that they, they burn in their own homes and in their yards or on the roofs of their homes, and they use their own wood for that. Hatsaikanim. So, does anybody know the word tzaykanim? Is it a modern Hebrew word? Tamakir tamila tzaykanim, tzaykan. Yeah, so it's not, it's a, Evan Shoshan brings it in his dictionary as a modern Hebrew word, but the later dictionaries don't, and I've never heard it being used. A tzaykan is a miser. Rashi says a tzaykan is atzranim, people who hold back. Klomar shehen ayin. that means they've got sarayayin, they're not very generous. And Tsaikanut is one of the Orchus Tzadikim's chapters. He's got a chapter on Tsaikanut. And he says at Tsaikan, there are times where you've got to be at Tsaikan. And he brings a proof from, from Yaakov Avinu, who went back to fetch little odds and ends across the river and risked his life 
you see, he realizes the importance of protecting your money. You work hard for it, and uh, and you need to protect it. You don't just you don't just lose it. Uh, on the other hand, Yaakov Avinu, when he meets with Esav, takes all the money, all the gold and silver that he earned from Lavan, and he puts it in a big heap. The Mishnah, the Midrash says, and he says to Esav, "Help yourself. I, I want to buy your share of the Maras Hamachpelah. I don't want you involved in it. Whatever you help yourself to as much money as you want for it." So he says, there you see the opposite of Tzaykhan, there you see a person willing to part with money for the sake of a mitzvah, it's not, he doesn't make those calculations. But when it comes to, um, just to losing money, that we don't, we don't want to, uh, we, we don't want to lose money, even if it's small amounts of money. So Tzaykhanut, that's where we get the Tzaykhanut. So here, the Tzaykhanim, the Mishnah says, these narrow, these miserly people, even if it's a small amount of meat that became Tameh or, or Notar, they come to the Beis Hamikdash so that they can use the Beis Hamikdash as wood and they don't have to go and buy wood for themselves to burn the Noisar. To burn, you know, to, to, to cook in their houses and you eat it, but to burn for Noisar, you're just burning it and you get no pleasure out of it. Let the Beis Hamikdash pay for it. So they come to use the, the wood of the, of the Beis Hamikdash. And the and the Gemara allows it, the, and, and Chazal allow that. The the Gemara starts off my timer. What is the reason for which the major, if the majority has been become Tomei, you've got to come to the Bira and you've got to do it at the base of Mikdash? Answers Rabbi Yossi Berachanina Kedei Levayashan, in order to embarrass them. That's an interesting case. So here we have another example of a Mida Busha, which is shame. Which one would think is a negative busha? We learned in the Thursday night shir last week that uh, that busha is like ritzicha, that when you shame somebody, you're killing something in them, and it's part of Lord Tirzach. Rabbeinu Yonah says, so if busha is something so serious, how to, how can we mevayish them? So using the shita of the Orchot Tzadikim, just as as uh, in the case of of the um, tzaykanim, tzaykanut is something that sometimes you use and sometimes you don't. So busha, shaming, is sometimes you do and sometimes you don't. Uh, and there's a lot of, uh, uh, the, the current psychologists are doing a lot of work in the fact that one of the problems with kids, particularly on social media, is there's no, there's no busha. There's no, there's no consequence. If they say something horrible to one of their friends and they bully one of their friends, they just, there's no consequence. They're not, they're not shamed. Nobody embarrasses them. There's no... And it's not only in social media. Generally today, the, the middle of shame is considered such a negative thing. You don't shame somebody. And, and that's right. But Orchot Tzadikim and the Rambam holds that Busha is, is one of the middles that there are times that you do use. And when do you use it? Educationally. That people need to feel a consequence of doing something wrong. Shaming doesn't mean you take them into the town square and you point at them. But there needs to be a sense of public disapproval, uh, of public censure. If the public doesn't disapprove, then there's no consequence. And so we see in Chazal here the idea that we make them come to the Beis Hamikdash to, to, that they should feel a little bit of embarrassment because everybody can see they're burning their Korban Pesach. Why are they burning it? Because either they didn't finish eating it or they allowed it to become Tameh. And they shouldn't have. One should be careful. And so they've got to do it in pain again. They don't have to walk around with placards and we don't put them on the stage and say, look at these terrible people. They let their core and become Tomah. But there's a certain inner shame and inner embarrassment 
from being identified as the public walks backwards and forwards in the base. I make this place, and you see this group of people are burning their Korban Pesach, and you say, they should, have, uh, they should have been more careful. That shame is good because next time they'll be more careful. So shaming is an educational tool, and we see it twice more on Pebez and on our, on our um, daf. And it's, in both cases, it's Rav Yosef, but it's opposites. In one case, Rav Yosef says, The reason that when they come to the Beis Hamikdash, that we allow them to use the Beis Hamikdash as wood, says Rav Yosef is, Not to shame people who don't have the wood, who can't afford wood. They're now in a public space. And what happens if a person comes and he's got to ask, can somebody give me wood? Can somebody lend me wood? It's, it's embarrassing. So at the same time, we bring him to the Beis Hamikdash to be a Mavayashim, to, to cause shame and embarrassment, but not that kind of shame and, and, and embarrassment. And further on, Rav Yosef again says, and the same Rav Yosef, Omar Rav Yosef, Kedei Levayashim, another case of the, of the Tameim, before the Korban Tomid was brought in the morning, those Kohanim who couldn't participate because they'd become Tome, they, they used to put them, Rosh uh, Hamizrach. The, um, the head of, the, of that group of Kohanim that was taking care of the Korban Tomid for that day used to take the, the Kohanim who were Tameim and make them stand at the entrance in the lobby so that everybody coming in and out of the Beis Hamikdash would see this group of, of Kohanim would become Tameim. Uh, we'll talk tonight in the shir a little bit about why you, what are you responsible? You became Tomei. It wasn't necessarily your, your responsibility. We'll talk about that. But the fact is that we put them there. Why? Says that same Rav Yosef who says, Shalom Levayesh. Rav Yosef says here, Kedei Levayesh. So you see the mastery here is not to say, I never cause anybody any shame. What kind of a father are you? What kind of an educator are you? You never cause anybody shame? What's, where, where is that? I, I, I always cause people shame. What kind of a human being are you? See, with Rav Yosef and with Chazal, the mastery is to be able to, it's a sharp instrument, shame. It's a very sharp instrument. And to be able to use it selectively and appropriately so that a, a, a person feels the consequence of neglect or wrongdoing, uh, but, but not more than that. The difference in these two cases of Rav Yosef, in one case we're shaming him because he became Tameh. And in the other case, we're not shaming him in case he doesn't have the wood. He can't afford the wood for the burning. What's the difference? A person should be ashamed of who he isn't. A person should not be ashamed of what he doesn't have. That's the difference we see in Rav Yosef's approach. When it comes to does he have the wood to burn his noisar, to burn the leftovers of his korban, nobody should be shamed because they can't afford the wood. And we need to protect a person from that shame. But when it comes to somebody who wasn't careful enough and his korban became tameh, he's a coin, he became tameh, that he should be shamed. Because who you are, you are responsible for. The Rebbeinu did not make you who you are. I'm not talking about questions of um, uh, just things that you're born with. It certainly is. There. There's that beautiful documentary at the moment that's uh, on... on on Netflix about uh, there's this Fran I've forgotten what her last name is anybody seen it about New York she's this comedian uh, she was she was she the name no 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 this is a, 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 a Scorsese um, interviews her and one of the things she's asked in, the inter in one of the interviews is can you acquire talent can you become talented 
She says, yes, in exactly the same way as you can acquire height. You know? So, okay, there's some things that the Rebunisham gives you, and, and, and that's what it is. But what you make of yourself is not the Rebunishams, that's you. Who you are is your work. And who you are not, who you could be and are not, is your responsibility. And if you don't develop who you could be, you should be ashamed of yourself. That's Rav Yosef. But that you're not a wealthy person, that you don't have to be ashamed of. That's not, that's not something that you can control necessarily. It's muzzled, emotional. Some people have, some people haven't. Some people, so it's, you, you can't blame somebody for that. And you certainly can't shame somebody for that. So when we're dealing with educating people, whether it's the public, or whether it's our own children, or it's a teacher in a classroom, we have to, be, we have to use shame terribly, terribly carefully. Never allowing somebody to feel ashamed for something they don't have. But certainly helping people to feel embarrassed about not becoming who they could have become.